My name is Keith Beavers and wine lovers, this is the last episode of season three of Wine 101. Man, we've come a long way. going on wine lovers from the vine pair podcasting network this is wine 101 and my name is keith beavers i am the tastings director of vine pair hey what's happening so no matter the holiday there's always gonna be food around the big ones you know what do you do how do you holiday gift wine well i had someone coming to help me out This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Jay Vineyards and Winery, makers of fine, sparkling wine. Today's topic is wine for the holidays. Think disco balls, twinkling lights, and look down. What's in your glass? Jay sparkling wine. I mean, it could be Jay Cuvée 20 with zesty notes of lemon or Jay Brut Rosé that's blushing with hints of strawberry. Either way, Jay Sparkling Wine is exquisite and completes nearly any holiday gift. To order Jay Sparkling Wine for the holidays, follow the link in the episode description to BarrelRoom.com. Hey, wine lovers, what's happening? Last episode of season three. Wow. Just crazy. Just crazy. How much have we learned? How much have we learned? Whoo. Okay, I digress. So this year, Vine Pear has published... It's inaugural holiday gift guide. And if, as you know, Vine Pair is a third, a third, and a third. Wine, beer, spirits. So we have a gift guide for all three of those and more. It's an amazing, go online, check it out. It's very cool. And the person that was responsible for making it all happen or the person that led this whole thing was Katie Brown of our editorial staff. So I thought, why don't I bring her on and talk about holiday gifting with wine? I had a wine shop, as you guys know, but you know, it was a case-by-case basis and I was trying to think of a lot of stuff. And I was like, you know what, Katie, why don't you come in and just ask me questions and I can answer them and we can just jive. She's like, totally cool. So she came by, we chatted in the Vine Pair Podcast Studios. This is what happened. It's really awesome. Get ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. the inaugural gift guide for Vine Pair. Is that right? That is right. That's true. What does that mean, actually? (laughs) Well, this year we did our first gift guide package for the holidays, um, which came out in mid-November. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. We did guides for spirits lovers, you know, beer lovers, lifestyle gifts. And then, of course, we have our gifts for wine lovers as well which is probably what these listeners are most excited about. They're going to want to go and check that out. I mean, don't do it yet. (laughs) Listen to this episode. 
Okay. But when you're done listening to this episode, go and check them all out. Cause there's, I mean, this, this good guide is, I'm going to say it's massive. I'm going to say it's huge, multifaceted, <laughs> many different categories. Each category is filled with a bunch of fun stuff. I mean, it is the, str- how stressful is, is it to buy gifts for people in general? Like that's, that's tough to do. And when I had my wine shop, I did it all the time during the holidays. I mean, it doesn't matter the holiday, whether, whether it's Christmas or, or a birthday or Valentine's Day or whatever. Um, people would come to my wine shop and I would help them out. I did it for seven years and I loved it, but it was a case by case basis. Yeah. I think with gifting, what's tough is you want to get somebody something that they're actually going to like, but also something that feels thoughtful. Um, what I think this gift guide does really well is these are all gifts that were actually suggested by people on our staff. Mm -hmm. So people that have these things or have seen these things and would like to receive them themselves. So everything on this list is something that the Vine Pair staff would like to receive. And so I think that that's a really good place to start. Like, as you kind of mentioned, everybody's different. Every holiday is different. But Mm -hmm. I think for holiday gifts, it's really about like thinking about the person and right. also thinking about, okay, if, if this person is a wine lover, I'm a wine lover, is this something that I would also like to receive? So what if, what kind of questions would you ask me? Because, because I was on a case by case basis, I just, for some reason, like I'm, I have so many ideas in my head about wine and gifting <laughs> and how, and all that stuff. I just don't, I have no way of, I'm having problems focusing. So if you, so because you did the gift guide, mm-hmm. like if you were to do a gift guide for wine and you needed to figure, like if you needed to ask questions about it, like what would you ask? Like if I'm the, if like, you know, like, Hey Keith, I'm doing this wine guide, not, yeah. not, not Chotsky's and cool stuff like that, but actual wine. What would you ask me? Cause that's how I'm, that's how I want. This is how I'm going to help the listeners do that. If mm-hmm. you ask me questions and I can, it's easier for me to just answer them and I can riff on it because yeah, I can't generalize. It's hard to generalize too much if I'm all by myself. So I need, I need another voice here to help me out. Of course. Yeah. I think first of all, I think wine is such a good last minute gift, especially if you're like, you know, you're headed to someone's house, you realize mm-hmm. that you didn't have anything that you were going to bring them. Like yeah. I feel like a hostess gift right. or like, you know, a colleague, that kind of thing. I think buying a last minute bottle is great. I think there are a few different types of bottles that, you know, that you're probably going to be wanting to buy during this time. So first is like, okay, let's say I'm on my way to this party. I want to get a bottle that is thoughtful and nice, but not going to break the bank. Like what's a great way to find a, a budget bottle for the holidays? So for parties? Yeah. Parties are great because for parties, I mean, some people like to bring magnums, because there's so much wine in it, but not a lot of people want to lug around a Magnum um, or you can get a box wine, which is a lot of fun for parties. But if you, if you want to go for a bottle, like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to give a bottle and you're going to put it on a party table with a bunch of other bottles or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to go too expensive. You don't want to like blow out. I'm talking like don't no more than 30 bucks. Because you don't know who's going to drink it. You know how fast it's going to be consumed, but you want to contribute. So this is where you can, this is where you get the light and fruity, easy drinking, affordable wines. So I'm talking like European wines in the 10 to 15 to $20, if you could. And a lot of those wines come from co-ops in Europe. So the quality is awesome. 
it's a, it's inexpensive on the American market, and they often come in screw caps, which is great for parties as well. Another thing about parties, you probably want to bring a wine that has a screw cap. And these days, most wines that have screw caps are meant to be consumed now. If you don't have, if you have a wine merchant, the best, this is the best time to talk to your wine merchant because you can go to any shop and buy a fun, easy drinking, inexpensive bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. But if you want to impress with it, you want to talk to somebody about it. If you're on your own, like you say, you're in a supermarket or a wine shop that doesn't have the kind of staff that helps, you're going to buy a bottle of wine at a certain price on a screw cap and you're going to bring it and it's going to be what it is. And that's totally fine. Right. I almost think that party wine is something you don't even have to think about too much. Just maybe, maybe the, maybe the rule is screw cap and go. Amazing. Yeah. I think what's interesting is like, you don't want to spend too much. You also don't want your bottle to be the one that's still sitting there completely full because it's shitty. That's true. You don't want it. You don't want shitty, of course. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's a great place to start. What if I'm going to a more like high end thing? I want to bring someone a gift. Maybe we're not going to be drinking at the party. It's mm-hmm. something that they could put in the cellar. They could drink later with their friends or family. Mm-hmm. What's like a baller bottle I could get for somebody? <sighs> I would stay away from Bordeaux and I would stay away from Burgundy and I would stay away from Champagne. Those three places make incredibly spectacular wine, but it's a very, they're very complex wine regions. They've been around for a long time and they're not easy to understand. Um, Not a lot of wine regions are, but these are people, you know, guys, you're listening to wine one-on-one. So, you know, stuff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I guess what I'm saying is I think, I don't know why. I think Italian red wine. Good, expensive Italian red wine. What varieties are we looking at? I'm thinking like the region of Barolo or Barbaresco, which listeners, I do have episodes on those. You can check them out. Um, Made from the Nebbiolo grape. And I think the reason why is because the, the Nebbiolo grape and Borolo and Barbaresco are not only age-worthy varieties and age-worthy wines. They can age for 30, 40, 50 years, sometimes, you know, uh, on level of Bordeaux or sometimes even further. Um, but they're widely available. They have a high acid. They have incredible tannin structure. They have incredible fruit. And they are wines that you can throw down right now or lay down. I think Barolo and Barbaresco are awesome. The, the prices start between, for a good Barolo, 50 bucks. It starts at 50. It's the same price if you're starting with a non-vintage champagne. So instead of spending 50 bucks on that non-vintage champagne, spend it on a Nebbiolo, a Barolo, or Barbaresco, I mean, bring it to the party. I promise you, if people don't even know what these wines are, the minute it hits their palate, they're going to lose their mind. That's awesome. So anyone who's listening, and if you need to get Keith a holiday gift. Um, you know what he wants. Um, <laughs> okay, here here's a question that I that I feel like. Okay, so obviously you and I are both people that love wine. So sometimes when people want to get wine lovers a gift, the first thing that people think of is the wine subscription mm-hmm. option. You know, you're sent wine once a month or however often. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that as a gift option? Oh man, <sighs> wine subscriptions. You know, we don't know where anybody is on their wine journey, right? But what I will say about wine subscriptions is there 
are a lot of them out there. There was a time about before the pandemic, there was a major sort of competition for wine subscriptions. It was a big deal. Everybody want, everyone was coming out with a wine subscription. The, 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 the issue with wine subscriptions, it's not a bad thing or a good thing, but it's something to think about is you don't know where the wines are coming from. You have to trust the people that are sending you the wine on a monthly basis are doing the work to help you learn more mm -hmm. because wine subscriptions aren't just to get wine in your house, which is, you could do that in a, in a retail shop. The wine, wine subscriptions are not only to get wine in your house, but to force you to be exploratory mm -hmm. and you're every month it's something different. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is from here. This is from this. The thing is the quality. I'm just going to say it because it's just true. The, you don't you don't know what the quality of the wines are going to be, and if you're somebody who wants to learn about wine, subscriptions may not be the way to go. I think you should. Well, a good way to do this would be to, if you're going to buy a subscription for a friend, you're going to spend some money, right? So take that money instead, go to a wine shop, and have somebody curate a, a case for you. Not not once a month, but just once, just as a gift. That case curated of quality wine, the person you gave it to will enjoy all those bottles because they were curated for this person and that will give them a better idea of diversity in wine than a subscription service where you don't really know where wines are coming from. Because let's be honest, some of these wines coming from subscription services are scaled, Right. Meaning there's a, a lot of it being made and there's nothing wrong with scaled. Some people call it mass produced. There's nothing wrong with that wine. It's just when a wine is scaled or uh, made in a large, you know, in a mass production level, complexity diminishes. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to get wines that have some complexity to them that you can actually enjoy and say, oh, wow, okay, this is wine. Oh, this is wine. Right. I don't think subscription services do that. Unless, somebody, unless hey, if you're listening and you're part of it, if you're a subscription service and you think I'm wrong, hit me up. My DMs are open, but that's what I would suggest. But be nice. Um, <laughs> be nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, that's a really good point. I think that, um, you know, if there's somebody in your life that you, that, that maybe is a beginner in the wine world and mm -hmm. you, you know, they want to get more into wine, that's probably a really great way to kind of get them into, uh, wines that they're actually going to like and be able to buy again. Right. There's uh, also, well, there, there, there's wine. So there's also wine clubs, completely different thing, but it's also, it's male stuff. So mm -hmm. if you love a specific wine winery or producer, and you're like, I know that my friend will love this. You can you can sign them up for a, a, the wine club, for the winery. Mm -hmm. But you're not gonna you're not gonna get a diverse sampling of wines. You're gonna get incredible wines from that winery. So if they're like a fanboy or fangirl of a certain winery, that might be a great place to yeah. start as well. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So we've gone through the gifting part. Now mm -hmm. I want to talk about how to pick wines for yourself to drink during the holidays nice. because. Yeah, I'm picky. <laughs> so, okay, I feel like for my family, a big part of the holidays is cooking, sitting around the fire, drinking wine while we're doing those things mm -hmm. and just kind of hanging out. Um, I feel like a lot of the time holiday wines, when I think of them, they're, they're a little bit bigger reds or mm -hmm. whatever to go with the holiday proteins. Mm -hmm. But what is a good wine or what are some examples of wines that we could be drinking during the day 
that still feel festive, but we don't need to pair them with food. Yeah, usually. Okay, so if we're talking about having fun in the kitchen, cooking dinner, enjoying ourselves, you don't really want a high alcohol wine because you're cooking and enjoying yourself and the high alcohol, the more sturdy wines are probably going to be on the dinner table. So wines to kind of hang out with, I would say low alcohol wines. That means Prosecco, a Cremant de Bourgogne, if you want to do that. It means, um, the, I mean, in California and other places in the United States, we're getting a lot of these carbonically macerated red wines that are fun. Uh, just be careful because the natural wine thing kind of blends into that. Obviously, I like Italian wine. So for me, a light Barbera, a light Dolcetto. Just you're trying to keep the alcohol low and the fun up. And when you're talking to somebody about it, that's what you want to do. Do you have a low alcohol red or white wine we can all cook and sip with before we hit the table? And those are the wines you're going to come across. Love it. Okay. Now we're sitting down for our holiday meal. We got all our rich, decadent food in front of us. What are we sipping? You know, the holiday table is nuts. There's so much going on because whether it's Thanksgiving or anything after that up until New Year's Eve Mm -hmm. or New Year's Day dinner or whatever, there's so much going on on the table. It's very hard. Um, We actually, if you know, you want to have a really good sense of it. We just did a uh, Thanksgiving list and that list can be used not only for Thanksgiving, but for all holidays with big, all bunch of foods on the table. The thing about, I, I don't know. I think anything really goes, but try to keep the acidity level up a little bit. Like big red California cabs that come in at 16, mm-hmm. 15% alcohol, they're, they're big and bold, and you would think they would go with all the stuff because if there's a lot of stuff on the table, you need something. That's not necessarily the case. You mm-hmm. need something with a little more acidity to it. You know, a really well-done California Merlot, or as listeners would know, a Merlot from Frioli. Um, these are, uh, you know, Cab Franc, you could do like a Chinon because it has that peppery Ooh. note. It has like a, a meaty fruit note, and it has good acidity. So it kind of like cuts, th- cuts through all the palate heftiness and just elevates the wine and the food. Um, What's the go-to in the Beaver's household? Barolo. I mean, I just, I can't, I, I keep on going back to Nebbiolo. I, I just, I can't, I can't. <laughs> Barolo Barbaresco, it's honestly my favorite red wine because you can, you can drink it at cellar temperature, which is a little bit cold. You can drink it at room temperature. It's just fine. It goes well. It has enough acidity. It goes well with the potatoes, but it goes well with the dark meat. It goes well with the white meat. It's just, Nebbiolo is such a great, an amazing grape. And people ask me, you know, it's, it's always crazy when people ask wine people, what's your favorite wine? I have an answer. <laughs> it's Nebbiolo. Yeah, it's and amazing. that's rare. I feel like I most wine people would be like, that's like choosing my favorite child. No, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, th- th- these wines are expensive though, but the thing is like, you're going to go, you're, you're having a holiday meal. So maybe you ball out. It's not a really baller. I mean, you're, you're going to spend 50, 60, 70 bucks on a Barolo or a Barbaresco and you're pretty much guaranteed an amazing bottle of wine. And it's going to, it's going to hang out through the entire meal, but also Beaujolais, but I would go for a crew 
Mm-hmm. You know, like a nice focused Beaujolais. There's, you know, Beaujolais has those 10 communes and then there's these areas around all those 10 communes called village. Mm-hmm. And that's, this is a little bit lower level. Just, it's not that it's bad quality. It's just a like they can source grapes from other areas. The crews, like Morgon and Fleury, all these crews, they're very focused with their gamay. They're and each one is so different. Like the Fleury is a little bit floral. Morgon has more heft. And the cool thing about Beaujolais, actually, you could do a bunch of like three or four crews because the cool thing about Beaujolais and gamay and Beaujolais is that it actually has awesome acidity. It's awesome chilled. It's awesome not chilled. It has great fruit, but every commune has that. In different proportions. Right. So you could have a Morgon. It's going to be a little bit heavier, but it still have that crazy acidity and awesome fruit. A Fleury is going to have less fruit, but it's going to have all this floral and aromatic nature to it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, if I, does that answer yeah. your question? Okay. I think it does. <laughs> okay. Flailing. For me though, I'm a vegetarian, which is during the holidays, a bit of a character flaw. Mm-hmm. And I know that about <laughs> myself, but sometimes that means the wine that's on the table doesn't really pair with like my food because I'm not mm-hmm. eating the meat. I'm eating all the sides. Mm-hmm. Like how, if you're having a vegetarian to your, you mm-hmm. know, holiday party, like what can you bring for them to make sure that they're drinking something that actually pairs well with what they're eating? I think the lighter reds we talked about would help like the Beaujolais. If you're sitting down, you want to, you know, a nice bottle of wine, but never discount white wine. White wine and sides are awesome. Um, like a good, not necessarily an oaky Chardonnay, but a nice deep Sonoma Chardonnay would be really cool. Um, Riesling is great for sides. Um, any wine, red wine, you can chill, which listeners just heard an episode about that, so they know what they can chill. Um, but you want to have wines that have a, a good amount of acidity, nice focused fruit, but not a lot else. You don't want a lot of tannin in the red wines. You don't want a lot of oak in the white wines. You kind of want right down the middle. And I'm going to be really honest here. I think the number one white wine for any holiday party for sides or whatever is Grunewaldliner. It is by far one of the most versatile white wines that nobody talks about enough. And often, more often than not, they're sold in liter bottles. With screw caps. Genius party wine. It's a genius party wine. But also the beauty of Grunewaldliner is that not only is it in Vienna, it's it's the, I don't know what bistros are called in Vienna, but it's the bistro wine of Vienna. And they're often sold in liter bottles. That's why we get them here because it's fun. But the thing about Grunewaldliner is it's very fun. It's so fun. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, (laughs) Grunewaldliner also makes very focused age-worthy white wine. So you can actually, if you're the, if you're the, the vegetarian, get yourself a liter bottle of Gruner Veltliner, put it in the fridge, don't share it, just have it up by yourself. And then when you sit down to dinner, make sure you bought an age worthy bottle or like a focus bottle of Gruner Veltliner, because then you're going to get white pepper and you're going to get like some herbs and you're going to get a good round fruit, but you're going to get like a burst of acidity. It's going to be very refreshing, but it's going to be textured. I think Grunewaldliner is the best, honestly, the best. If you're a vegetarian, you're just eating sides. Even if there's like a meal for you, like a portobello meal or something like that, Grunewaldliner. Amazing. 
Okay, I have a couple curveballs for you. Oh, boy. Okay, classic on Christmas. I'm Jewish, mm-hmm. so that means we have Chinese food on Christmas. What oh. should we pair with it? Oh, my God. I like spicy, very, like, tongue-tingly Chinese food. So, like... I love Chinese food on Christmas. Me too. It's the best. Living in New York City, so many friends, Christmas is just awesome. It's One just, of the best traditions of our people. It is. People. And I am, I, I'm honored <laughs> to be part of it over the years. I, I loved it so much. It was a, actually, you know, um, Adam Teeter, CEO of VinePair, um, and Josh, and I, it was an annual thing we did. We would go down to Chinatown every year with a bunch of people. Actually, Tim came to the one came to one of them. Um, it, it was incredible, and we all just brought wine, and we brought Riesling, champagne, cha- champagne. Imagine that—an awesome Blanc de Blanc, 100% Chardonnay, beautiful, round, pillowy, bubbly, with that like savory angular peppery food mm-hmm. the champagne and specifically champagne no not a cremant because those are a little softer have not they don't have as much atmospheric pressure in them so they come off as a little bit softer a little smoother which is totally awesome but a champagne has more atmospheric pressure in the bottle and it has more of a aggressiveness to it right and when you're eating chinese food that aggressiveness of the bubbles and the high acid from the, what the base wine was and that wild sort of briocheness coming like wrapped around it will just literally pair with every little thing on your palate. It'll like the acidity is going to accentuate the food. The bubbles is going to excite the palate and the brioche is going to calm the heat. It's kind of perfect. Yum. And if you don't want to throw down on champagne, Prosecco. Prosecco is like between what eight and twenty bucks, so definitely. But if you want to like, f- you know, get yourself a a blanc de blanc, I think. Yeah. A blanc de blanc, one hundred percent Chardonnay, Champagne. I want to do that right now. I was about to say, can we? Can go we go? Do that after that? Can we go after this recording? <laughs> yeah, it's um, delicious. <laughs> okay. At the same time, I also wanted to ask about because. Hanukkah starts, I think, on the 18th of December. Mm -hmm. And my favorite thing about that is that we always make homemade latkes, which are Mm. basically, if you don't know, potato pancakes fried up. Delicious. So good. Applesauce and sour cream. What is the best thing to drink with them? Or other fried foods you might be eating during this holiday? Okay. Everything I said before would work. Champagne, Prosecco, but I I I want you guys to to really get into this. I I feel like these wines need our love on the American market and we need to fall in love with them more and more so that more and more of them come to our market. Lambrusco. Sparkling red wine from Emilia Romagna. A lot of the Lambrusco we have in the United States today is Lambrusco, but also has a a grape in it called Ancelotta and Ancelotto that variety is very sweet. So not unfortunately, it just happens to be a fact that we fell in love with Lambrusco on the American market through Rio Nidi and Rio Nidi was very sweet. So all we, we understand about Lambrusco is the sweetness. Lambrusco is not sweet. 
These wines are made from different styles of the Lambrusco grape, and it's often dry, crispy, herbal, and refreshing AF. I mean, there's nothing... It's hard to explain how wonderful and beautiful they are until you actually experience one. And when you go looking for them, the only downside is you got to demand that it's not sweet. Demand it. Because if you say, I don't want a sweet Lambrusco, you're going to get a sweet Lambrusco. You have to say, look, I want a Lambrusco that's dry, herby, and just refreshing as hell. And then they'll find, if it's not available, it's not available. If it's not available, try try it anyway. But like latkes with Lambrisco? Oh my God. Mind blown. Mind blowing. That's <laughs> amazing. I think that would also go so well with um, a lot of people make sufganiot, which are jelly donuts yes. from scratch. I feel like that would go so well with the Lambrisco as well. I think so too. Yum. Just that dry, 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 beautiful Lambrisco. I, I wish I had them. I don't have any brands on the top of my head right now on wine producers, but they're out there. You just got to ask. You got to go to wine shops that. We have some nice lists on our on our site. Um, yeah. That lists some of our favorite sparkling reds, including some Lambruscos. So Actually, go yeah. Out. Just go on to VinePair and search Lambrusco. <laughs> They'll all pop up. There you go. <laughs> do you have any certain food traditions that you guys do every year during the holidays? No. Um, I'm half Italian, half hillbilly. And <laughs> <laughs> we would do the traditional stuff, which kind of fit the hillbilly side. And then we, my mom's Italian, so always Italian food. Like if we had Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever big meal, if there was a turkey or some sort of bird and and trimmings around it, there was a lasagna and there were meatballs and there was pasta. So it's like you, it's like you would have- There's never a wrong time to eat lasagna. No, it's just not. So we would, we would always have even more food because we would, we would always have the traditional stuff because we had to, but then you would all, but then the Italian side was like, well, don't forget about the meatballs. (laughs) Don't forget about the lasagna. What are you doing? So do you still have the traditional lasagna every year? I'm making it this year. And what are you going to pair with it? Chianti. There you go. I just love it so much. Because Chianti is another beautiful, amazing. And actually, you know what? Chianti can run through all these questions as well. (laughs) Don't sleep on Chianti. (laughs) Don't sleep on Chianti because Chianti will, a good, bright Chianti will go well with a lot. No, it won't. No, I won't. I'm lying. But, <laughs> but he's like, I went too far. Yeah, I went too far. But uh, Chianti in, in in lasagna is in pasta and meatballs is just like, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> I heard the half Italian just come out. Yeah, I know. I was even gesturing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wine lovers. <laughs> okay, wine lovers. I really hope this helped you guys out for the holidays. And I, I'm really thankful for Katie to coming on. Katie's a very busy person. It's just so nice that she came on. Thank you, Katie, for coming on. <laughs> of course. I'm happy to come back whenever you need another gifting advice. Dope. Maybe next year. Um, <laughs> and guys, this is the last episode of season three of Wine 101. I'll catch you all in season four. Bye.
Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. <laughs>